Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast with Aaron Holt, Functional Nutritionist. I work with clients on the seacoast of New Hampshire and virtually all over the world through both private consultations and online nutrition programs. I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Mayorana, registered dietitian of Root Down Nutrition based in Asheville, North Carolina. We are both board-certified integrative and functional nutritionists. This means we dive deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. In this podcast, we will address all things health, food, and nutrition, discussing our research, clinical experience, and life experience. Please keep in mind our disclaimer, this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or medical treatment. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Hey guys, so Erin here. I'm doing the whole YouTube thing. So what up YouTube? Um, Today I'm going to talk about blood sugar issues, which isn't very like sexy or glamorous. Um, but we'll talk about why it's so important. Um, I'm recording downstairs. Our pellet stove is like aggressively loud. Um, so if you're wondering what the hell that noise is, that's what's up. But I, I'm home alone today and I really wanted to utilize my whole space. It's a Sunday. So you're getting, if you're on YouTube watching me, you have privy to my unshowered, unkempt self. Um, I just kind of ranted, not ranted. I just posted on um, Instagram about how, so I'm home alone on a Sunday. My whole family is all together celebrating and I'm here by myself. I chose to stay home to work because I had work to get done. And I know that there's this like huge anti-hustle movement in the whole entrepreneur, solopreneur space. And I appreciate that. I mean, I don't think we should work to the point where we die, but at the same time, I don't know one single successful entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, whatever you want to call them that isn't hustling. And I think sometimes we just have to um, be a little bit transparent about how much we actually work because it's a shitload. If you are running your own business, you're working a lot. So sometimes that comes with a sacrifice, like not being with your family on Sundays, but you do what you got to do. I don't think I'm going to be able to look at the camera this whole time. So pardon me for looking away. Um, that would be really, really distracting. Anyway, let's dive in. We're talking about blood sugar. I know it's not glamorous. I have to think of a kind of like a catchy title for this. So people will actually listen to this episode. Um, because I don't really think anyone cares about blood sugar, but it's arguably one of the most important things to talk about when we're trying to, when we're talking about health and we're trying to put together this like owner's manual for our own healthy bodies, which I think we all should do because we know our body is different than, you know, our next door neighbor is different than our cousin is different than Sally's and Jane's. And we have to be able to figure out what's appropriate for me and when, right? And that's kind of what I'm talking about with like putting together the owner's manual for your own body. Um, I don't think most people understand just how deeply unstable blood sugar impacts their health. Um, it, it impacts everything from hormonal balance to thyroid function. I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum on this show, um, to inflammation, to brain health. I mean, it's, it's kind of a big deal. Um, 
but but the thing is most people don't understand if they are experiencing high blood sugar low low, low blood sugar or both they don't understand that's what they're going through so like somebody's not going to run to their doctor and be like hey doc i've got low blood sugar or hey doc i've got high blood sugar instead chief complaints um are usually things like i'm lacking motivation i'm lacking drive I have depression, chronic body aches and pains. I'm unable to recover from an injury. I've got significant pain or inflammation in my body. Um, most people, physicians included, don't really understand just how much unstable blood sugar underlies many of the symptoms that we experience on the reg. Um, things like exhaustion, insomnia, anxiety, depression, brain fog, um, hanger. I did a recent YouTube video on hanger and it's more than just an inconvenience. Hanger is really feeling hangry or like so hungry or angry. If you feel that way frequently, it's really uh, pretty representative of a much lar larger problem going on, which is blood sugar dysregulation. Um, so I think it's important for us to all collectively get a beat on this, get a beat on blood sugar, how important it is, what we need to know about it. Um, I think it's one of the most essential things a person can do in order to improve and maintain the health of their body and also their brain. We got to normalize our blood sugar. And guys, if you're after aesthetic goals, like, so I'm talking a lot about health here, but if you're more after aesthetic goals, that's cool. I'm not here to, to try to change your mind or shame you or take that away from you. Um, I want you guys to also understand that low blood sugar and high blood sugar can cause you to gain weight. They can cause weight loss resistance. Um, it's really more about this inflammatory process and an inflammatory cycle that's very hard to get out of. Um, so people, you know, people with chronic issues, these ongoing issues, they have a lot of issues throughout their entire body. It might be migraines, pain, hypertension, um, that's high blood pressure, muscle atrophy, infertility, we know that's a big one, asthma, arthritis, osteoporosis, sleep apnea, that's another big sign. Um, but these symptoms, these are like the complaints that we go to our doctors about or the, the things that we, we know are wrong with us, right? These symptoms might actually be secondary to blood sugar patterns. So if we're going after the symptoms, which we do in chronic, or excuse me, in, in our current healthcare model in, in conventional medicine, if we're going after those symptoms, but we're overlooking the underlying blood sugar dysregulation, then it's nearly impossible to unwind these chronic conditions. Um, we hear a lot about high blood sugar issues because high blood sugar goes hand in hand, you know, unregulated chronic high blood sugar goes hand in hand with diabetes. And diabetes is an absolute epidemic. We hear about it all the time, right? Diabetes is expensive. Um, if, if you have, if you show up with high blood glucose, high blood sugar and high insulin, you're, they're going to start you on a medication like metformin. And eventually that will probably progress to hypertension medications. And eventually that will probably progress to statin drugs. And then this keeps going until you're on like six, seven, eight medications. And all of these drugs over the lifetime of a, of a patient is extraordinarily expensive. Um, and again, we're trying to manage all of those symptoms and all of the fallouts of, of 
of insulin, we'll talk about that in a little bit, of, of this like vicious insulin cycle. It's high blood sugar, high insulin cycle. Um, but the point is, diabetes, there's an estimation that diabetes alone will bankrupt the healthcare system, the US healthcare system in the next 20 years. Like it's that expensive and it's that mismanaged and it's that significant of an issue. So we really have to start to ask the questions, how do we manage this blood sugar epidemic? What do we do? And diet is a, is a huge factor here. Um, macros and meal timing. So macros is carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, your, your balanced meal, if you will. Um, macros and meal timing are two really big areas of focus when we're looking to regain blood sugar control. And that's why I focus so much on them during the carb compatibility project. Um, that, that program is coming up again. It's going to start April 8th. You guys, if you want in, uh, make sure you register by April 5th. That's really important. Um, so we're going to go into all of these um, all of these topics of how to stack your macronutrients and how to best time your meals so you regain that blood sugar control. Um, we'll also go into detail about specific types of exercise to do, nutritional compounds, supplements, if that's something that you want to get into. And this, is, this program is absolutely for you if you deal with any of the things that I'm going to talk about today. It's not just for somebody with diabetes, okay? This, this applies to all of us. This stuff is so important. It's why I built out a whole program around it and why I talk about it so much. And because I do talk about blood sugar so much, somebody recently asked if I could do a podcast on specific signs and symptoms to look out for, to know whether you have low blood sugar or whether you have high blood sugar or whether or not it's, it's not even a concern for you at all. Um, so I thought that was a really good idea, and that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to just break it right down. So classic symptoms of low blood sugar. These are the things that you want to be on the lookout for to see if you have low blood sugar. Uh, the big one is increased energy after meals. This is the big thing to look out for how it should work normally. If there's no problem whatsoever, you should eat a meal and then you should no longer be hungry. That's it. That's it. If you're getting a big surge of energy after eating a meal, that's a really good indication that you had low blood sugar before that meal. If that's happening all the time, if you're eating and then getting this boost of energy, that's a good indication that you have low blood sugar pretty perpetually. Um, so that's one to look out for. If you're craving sweets in between meals, that's a good indication that your blood sugar has dropped in between your meals. Um, so that's another thing to look out for. Now, if your blood sugar drops and there's no food in the tank, if there's no food, if you're not eating food, what will happen is your body will start to produce cortisol. So cortisol is our main stress hormone and that will kick in because that has a um, that has an effect on blood sugar. So cortisol will kick in to bump up blood sugar and that can leave us feeling a little bit um, almost like over caffeinated. You know that feeling when you drink too much coffee where you're kind of like uh, buzzing a little bit? 
if you get a cortisol bump um, from low blood sugar, you can start to feel like a little bit out of sorts because of that. Um, if you're depending on coffee and sugar for energy throughout the day, that's another good indication that you're not, you have low blood sugar. You're not adequately fueled. So you're relying on almost like exogenous forms of energy, like caffeine, sugar, in order to keep your blood sugar stable. It's not really a good place to be in. Now I'm talking about cortisol. Cortisol dysregulation goes hand in hand with something called adrenal fatigue. Um, and these two things, cortisol dysregulation and um, blood sugar dysregulation are pretty intimately connected. So where there's one, there's usually another one. Um, so some other signs of low blood sugar is irritability if meals are missed. So if you skip a meal uh, and you get hangry, that's a good indication. Or if you can't go a couple of hours without feeling that hanger, that's low blood sugar. If you start to feel lightheaded when you skip meals, if you find that you're continuously eating to relieve fatigue, so if you're just kind of like tired and you need food in order to feel less tired, that's low blood sugar. If you feel shaky or jittery or you get tremors, low blood sugar. Uh, that's the worst feeling, by the way, so avoid that. Um, if you feel agitated and nervous, I kind of talked about that. That's another low blood sugar. If you become upset easily. So here's, I know intermittent fasting is like crazy popular, I tend towards low blood sugar I have most of my life, and um, I cannot intermittent fast. This is what happens. If I intermittent fast, I will feel really great for about a week, and it's because my stress hormones are ushering in to bring my, my blood sugar back up to baseline, and when you get like a surge of stress hormones, you kind of feel like you can take on the world. You feel like a superhero. You're like, yeah, I can do all the things, and that's how I feel for like five days to a week, and then I start to feel super aggro, super agitated. Everybody gets on my nerves. My husband or my kid will ask me a question. I'm like, what do you want? That type of feeling. I just get upset very easily for like no apparent reason. And then I totally bonk. So that's like every single time I try to intermittent fast, that is exactly what happens exactly to a T. If that happens to you when you try to intermittent fast, that is a good indication that you've got low blood sugar issues. You don't have a good handle on blood sugar. Um, some other symptoms of low blood sugar are poor memory, forgetfulness, feeling like really spacey and out of sorts, blurred vision if it gets pretty extreme. One way that I know if I've got low blood sugar is if I'm driving and I have light sensitivity while I'm driving. I don't know why while I'm driving. I think maybe I'm just more aware of it. But it's almost like, you know, if you've ever gotten an ocular migraine and you like feel that weird weirdness in your eyes, like your eyes are just super sensitive. That's how I feel with low blood sugar. So those are all pretty straightforward signs that you've got low blood sugar. Um, and some of the reasons for this is because glucose is your, is your main fuel source for your brain. Um, blood sugar is very tightly regulated because of this, because your brain needs fuel. If you, if your brain doesn't have adequate fuel, you're going to die, right? So your body's kind of like, all right, we better keep this blood sugar stable. Um, so it's absolutely necessary to have good control over your blood sugar, to have stable blood sugar in order for proper brain chemistry. Now, when blood sugar gets low, not enough glucose is getting, or, you know, glucose is another word for sugar, is getting into the brain. And so the brain doesn't function. That's why you can feel spacey and like out of sorts, forgetful, memories weird, um, 
lightheaded, you can feel shaky, you can feel irritable. It's all your brain reacting to not enough fuel. Um, and that's what it's trying to tell you. It's like the brain's like, I can't operate. Give me the food and give it to me now. Um, and we've talked about this on the show before, but I'll, I'll throw it out there again. Blood sugar balance is one of the most important factors to address when you're working to improve brain function. And that can be whether you're trying to enhance cognition, memory, or you're trying to improve mood. We talked about this when somebody wrote in asking um, about weaning off antidepressants. The first thing I would I, I would try to do is make sure your blood sugar is regulated because if you go through periods of low blood sugar, that can that can really register as anxiety and depressed uh, depression symptoms. So just keep that in mind. Um, if you want to sharpen your focus, if you want to avoid brain fog, dude, brain fog is like an epidemic in and of itself. I don't think I've had one client in the past you know, I don't know, year who hasn't talked about brain fog. So brain fog is happening. And one of the, you know, the biggest things we could do is regulate our blood sugar. Um, another thing to keep in mind is that when blood sugar drops and spikes too often, it triggers this whole inflammatory cascade of reactions. And that in and of itself, that inflammation can also lead to depression. Um, there's a whole theory of, um, I'm no, no expert on this model or on this, on this topic, but, um, inflammation as the driver for some types of depression. And if we can get the inflammation under control, then we can get the mood stabilized as well. Um, so we need to, we need to avoid those, those, uh, blood sugar drops and spikes in order to, to, uh, get proper brain function working. Um, this is something I've also mentioned on the show, but this is like a, a pretty big deal. Um, we're now seeing, and by we, I mean like researchers, not myself, um, are that blood sugar imbalances in their inflammatory fallouts are really playing a very large role in neurodegenerative diseases, in the development of dementia, in the development of Alzheimer's. Um, there's a lot of research researchers that are, are referring to Alzheimer's as type 3 diabetes. And it's because blood sugar dysregulation directly impacts the brain and it, it imp impacts the longevity of the brain and brain health um, and can cause you to dement. Um, so that, that's a really important thing. I mean, I know a lot of people are dealing with parents that are going through that. That's scary. Um, so I, I think people are starting to pay more attention to what we can do to, um, to mitigate our risk and blood sugar controls, like right up there, numero uno. Um, now I tend to see, I'm talking about lo low blood sugar right now. That's what I tend to see a lot in my practice. I work primarily with women, as you guys know, and I do see a lot of symptoms of low blood sugar. Um, I think there's a very big component to under eating calories. I, if you're not eating adequate calories, you're not getting adequate fuel. You're not getting adequate blood sugar. Duh. Um, now we talk about this all the time on the show, so I'm not going to go into like a ton of detail about that. I mean, listen to like episode one through 53, I probably talked about, about eating an appropriate amount of food for your body in all of the shows. Um, but another thing that I see, I'm seeing this more and more too, is that we're not just not making time for proper meals. A 200 calorie bar is not a meal. 
It's not. It's never going to be a meal. I'm never going to tell you that's an adequate meal for anybody. Um, so, so I keep hearing this, I'm too busy to eat. I heard it so much that a couple of years ago, I wrote an entire blog post about it and I'll post it in the show notes. Um, but it was, it's called six tips for moms who don't have time to eat. Um, but it's not just moms that I'm, I'm hearing this. It, it, I can hear it from teenagers, from kidless women, from retirees, from stay at home moms. It's like everybody's saying the same thing re- regardless of their schedules. And so we're, we've all like sort of bought into this idea that we're too busy to eat. Um, and we're also getting that message echo back to us, like that whole rhetoric of you're so busy, here's a meal replacement bar, here's a shake, here's a powder for you since you have no time for real food, right? Um, the whole I'm too busy to eat thing has just become this like socially acceptable rhetoric where now it's just like very commonplace to say that. It's almost like, duh, well, I can't eat lunch. I'm too busy. I'm working. Hello, duh. And I'm like, yeah, no. Um, I'm trying to change that whole mentality into one of like, hey, you're important. Your life matters. You actually deserve to eat. Um, Because not having time, not having time to eat or forgetting to eat really just boils down to the fact that you're not making yourself a priority, right? That's what it boils down to. Like you would never tell your kid like, oh, I'm too busy to make you a meal or I'm too busy, you know, I'm too busy to, to provide food for you, yet we're doing this to ourselves like on the reg. Um, I just think we need to get to a point. This is obviously a much bigger topic, but we need to get to a place where we make feeding ourselves a normal, automatic, guiltless act. And if we can get there, it's like staking a claim on our own lives. It's like proclaiming to the world like, hey, today I matter. Today I eat breakfast. Today I matter, right? Um, and in doing so, we actually get to mitigate blood sugar problems. So it's a win-win. Um, so anyway, the, the interesting thing that's, that's so often overlooked with all of this is that under eating, whether you're under eating food in general, under eating calories, whatever, it almost always leads to overeating. And when our blood sugar gets so low, we become like those cagey animals, like, you know, all those feelings of like aggro, like I need food, I'm hangry, I'm gonna claw your face off if I can't eat right this second. And it becomes very hard to tune into our true hunger signals. So just keep that in mind. If you're restricting food from a place of I wanna lose weight, or if you're just too busy to eat, if that mentality is running around in your head, just understand that the, the fallout of this is not just low blood sugar, but it's it's also overeating. Um, so many people talk about binging at night or overeating at night. And I'm like, are you really binging? Are you really eating? Or are you just kind of making up for a day's worth of starvation? Because if you starve yourself all day, if you undereat all day, your blood sugar is going to be low, your body's going to be underfed. And of course, your brain's going to tell your body that you're hungry and you're going to eat. So um, That's just something to keep in mind, a little bit of a tangent there. Now, with low blood sugar and high blood sugar, it's not just like an either or situation. It can be an and both. Um, High blood sugar and low blood sugar can actually coexist. They're not mutually exclusive. So some people can swing back and forth between the two. So let's look at some signs and symptoms of high blood sugar so you can determine if you fit into that picture as well. 
Okay. Um, I'm sorry if you, like, I just took a sip of my seltzer right into the microphone and there's nothing worse to me than the sound of somebody swallowing. So if you just heard me swallow, I deeply apologize. All right. So the first big one is fatigue after eating. So just like with low blood sugar, if you get really energized after eating with high blood sugar, you tend to feel tired after eating. And again, neither of those are appropriate responses. You should just eat the food and then you're no longer hungry. End of story. If you have big fluctuations in energy, that's a good indication that you don't have great blood sugar control. So fatigue and drowsiness after eating. If you feel like you eat a meal and you have to take a nap or you eat a meal and you're like, oh my God, I need caffeine. I need some coffee right away. That's a good indication that you've got high blood sugar. Um, if you have intense cravings for sweets after meals. And if your cravings for sweets aren't relieved after you eat them. So if you eat like, so sometimes I don't, I don't deal with high blood sugar, but sometimes after eating dinner or after eating lunch, I want some dark chocolate, but I eat the dark chocolate and then I'm fine. If you have ongoing cravings for sweets throughout the course of the day, that's an indication of high blood sugar. Um, constant hunger. So you eat and you're still hungry. Um, there's some leptin resistance going on here as well, most likely. We don't, I'm not going to get into that today, but there's, there's a big interplay of different hormones going on um, with high blood sugar that can lead you to just feel hungry all the time, even, even if you are getting adequate calories. Um, just general fatigue, just feeling tired all the time. Um, Frequent urination, that's starting to move towards a diabetic state if you're urinating all the time. And this is irrespective. Of, I mean, if you're, I don't want people to hear this list and be like, oh my God, that's me, right? Like the hypochondriacs, like myself. I hear a list of symptoms. I'm like, yep, got them all. That's definitely me. But I mean, if you drink a ton of water and you pee a lot, that's that's one thing. But if, if you notice an uptick in urination and your urination frequency doesn't really seem to match how much water you're drinking, that's a sign of high blood sugar. Um, increased appetite and thirst, difficulty losing weight, migrating aches and pains, and also trouble falling asleep. They, those can all be indications of high blood sugar. And I'm grabbing some of this stuff from um, Dr. Datis Karazian, by the way, who's great, great physician. Um, okay, high blood sugar will often go hand in hand with something called insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is a pretty big deal. Um, so let's just talk briefly. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the term before. Like I said, it goes hand in hand with high blood sugar. It goes hand in hand with diabetes and metabolic syndrome, all of these epidemics of the industrialized world. Um, but when, when blood sugar gets too high, what happens is the pancreas releases an, uh, a hormone called insulin. And insulin grabs blood sugar, grabs sugar out of the blood, and then it puts it into the body's cells and it puts it away to storage. So insulin is a storage hormone. Um, this is a normal, natural process. It should be happening all the time. Like every time we eat, every time we eat carbs, especially insulin's released and it shuttles glucose away where it needs to go. But if it's happening a lot, like, so if you're eat, if you're constantly dealing with high blood sugar, then you're constantly going to have high insulin levels. And after a while, what happens is that your cells develop resistance to insulin. The receptors won't grab onto insulin, onto that hormone. And then insulin and, uh, glucose cannot get into the cell. So that's what insulin resistance is. So too much sugar, 
too much insulin, now it can't get into the cell. It's circulating throughout the bloodstream. And this causes a whole host of crazy problems like inflammation, high cortisol, electrolyte imbalance, high blood pressure. It throws off neurotransmitter balances in the brain. And all of this can lead to degeneration of the brain, which we talked about. It can also lead to hormonal imbalance. So insulin resistance can elevate estrogen in men, like two, like excess estrogen in men and elevate testosterone in women, which is not ideal. And we're going to talk about that because that kind of plays into the whole PCOS picture. But just understand that there's this vicious cycle of insulin resistance. So for getting chronic insulin surges, because we have high blood sugar, so then we have chronic surges of high insulin, this turns on inflammatory pathways in reactions within the body. And that in that inflammation leads to even more insulin resistance. So the body's in this constant state of systemic inflammation. That's just like inflammation that's run amok and it's, it's a hard cycle to get out of. Now there are lab markers. So we, uh, last week, Kyle and I talked about specific labs that you can, or two weeks ago, maybe, um, that you can ask your doc for. So there's specific labs that indicate insulin resistance. This is if you see high fasting blood glucose, um, high hemoglobin A1C, high triglycerides, high LDL, and low HDL. Now you can also straight up test insulin levels. Um, in my experience, doctors haven't been super willing to run that test, but all the other one, all the other markers that I just talked about are like easy peasy. You can get them. Um, those, all of those labs should absolutely be included in, in routine labs. Like get that work up at least once a year, just to see what, what, like what's going, especially if you know you have, um, high or low blood sugar symptoms, you want to see what's going on there. Um, now I just mentioned PCOS and hormonal imbalance, and it's important to note here because I'm seeing more and more PCOS and PCOS is the leading cause of infertility in women. So like something to talk about, um, high blood sugar is tied to PCOS in women and same with insulin resistance. So with PCOS, females tend to have higher androgen. So things like testosterone. Testosterone is higher in most women with PCOS. Um, and that high testosterone is usually promoted by insulin. Um, there's, there's a whole gut interplay here that, that I'm not going to get into, but it's not as straightforward as I'm making it out to be, but blood sugar and insulin resistance certainly play into it. Um, so these chronic insulin surges, that I was just talking about, activate an enzyme in the ovaries, and it causes them to produce testosterone. And when females produce too much testosterone, it throws off certain hormones like follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, and that leads to dysfunctional menstrual cycles, missing periods, anovulatory cycles, and these things can lead to infertility. Um, so that's how the whole... PCOS really comes back to blood, good blood sugar control. And uh, just like with diabetes, the main approach in conventional medicine is to use insulin sensitizing drugs like metformin. So what I hear from a lot of my PCOS clients is that their doctor, if they do get a diagnosis, their doctor's like, go on metformin, um, exercise more, reduce your carbs, and lose weight. It's kind of like the classic, um, classic approach. So... All of this to say that 
blood sugar and insulin problems are really what my um, college microbiology, I wish Kyle was on this episode right now, but my college microbiology, uh, microbiology teacher refers to as a BFD, which is a big effing deal. Um, so we can't just overlook, if you're, if you're experiencing symptoms of low or high blood sugar, it has to be addressed. Like it absolutely has to be addressed. And insulin, we talked about some causes of hypoglycemia, low blood sugar. Um, but this insulin resistance in this high, hyperglycemia, high blood sugar is really rooted in a high carb, high sugar diet or the standard American diet. Um, in other words, it's no wonder why diabetes is an epidemic in our country, right? Because we're on this, this, this carb heavy diet and not to say there's anything wrong with carbs. I've talked about carbs a ton on the show. Um, so go back and listen to those episodes. If you're like, are carbs good or are carbs bad? Um, I really tore that one apart. But if we're eating a high carb diet, which like the old food pyramid, remember the base of the food pyramid was like all carbohydrates all the time. So we have it in our head that like a healthy diet re requires a lot of carbohydrates. And even like people that are trying to eat right are still eating cereal or toast or oatmeal in the morning. And that just can be too much carbohydrate for the system. And then you think about like the average lunch is like a sandwich. And then dinner, people are eating like pastas and um, I don't know, what do normal people eat? Pizza, stuff like that. It's all a lot of carbohydrate. Um, so if you are experiencing blood sugar swings, learning to adjust your carbohydrate intake is an essential part of, of managing blood sugar and managing insulin and managing insulin resistance. But unfortunately, it's not just as simple as dropping the carbs, right? And so that's what a lot of people are hearing, like, oh, I have to go on a low-carb diet. And that might be true, but carb tolerance like how many carbohydrates your body needs is highly individualized based on your unique physiology and also external variables. So like other things that are happening in your life, exercise being one of them. Um, so that's, the, that's one thing. The other thing is that the gut microbiome, so all the bacteria and stuff we have living in our gut is essential for healthy insulin signaling. So we need to have good gut health if we want good blood sugar control. And I think what happens with the low carb or even the ketogenic diet movement is we kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. So we just get rid of all carbs without saying that, well, some we need some carbs. We need some carbs, um, specific nutrients um, that are going to fuel our microbiome and fuel the bacteria that are living there. We need certain plant compounds and fibers in order to have a healthy microbiome. And we need a healthy microbiome in order to have healthy insulin signaling and blood sugar control. So you can see it's like our bodies are really, really complex webs that, that aren't as straightforward. They, they, don't, they don't have a straightforward, simple answer, especially when we're talking about nutrition, right? Nutrition is not an exact science because it's this interplay of food with like the, this biochemical kind of shitstorm that is the human body. And we all have, we're also different biochemically. So it really takes some tinkering to determine what's appropriate for you, especially as it comes to carbohydrates. Um, this is 
really the the crux of my carb compatibility project. It's why I created the, the, the program in the first place to figure out your tolerance in order to manage blood sugar, whether you have low blood sugar, high blood sugar, or you just have some symptoms that we discussed today. Um, so it's managing that, but it's also supporting all the other systems in the body that assist with blood sugar control. And I, you guys, honestly, I don't spend my time creating superfluous stuff. This is really necessary. This program is so important to optimize your health. Um, so I really hope that you guys can jump in on that. And if not, I hope that this episode helped you understand the deal with blood sugar. Um, cool. If you're on YouTube, leave a comment. If you're on the pod listening, drop me a review. I love that stuff. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you. 